I promised us last two weeks um, after we did the the swords of the world that um, we will just look at what's above it. So when when you take Matthew chapter five, the first twelve verses talks about the beatitude, and the verse 13, 14, 15 talks about um, we being the salt of the world and we being the light of the world and we being a city set upon the hill. Okay, so Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is a whole sensation. Okay, so it's a whole what? <laughs> it's, it's what we call the the same or sermon on the mounts. Okay, sermon on the mounts. It's also one of the discourses. So in the Bible, there are four discourses that's you, you will see. So the first one is the Sermon on, on the Mount. There's another one in Matthew chapter 13, which is the, uh, which is also another discourse um, in which Jesus talked about a lot of things. Um, Sua went to sue and then um, parables. There were, there were a lot of parables in that Matthew chapter 13. And there's also an, another discourse in Matthew chapter 24. Okay, which talks about that one Jesus was telling us about what will happen in the end. Okay, and the, the last discourse, that one is found in the book of John. John, if you read John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, that's that's what is called the upper room discourse. That's the last 24 hours before the death of Jesus. He was with his disciples in the upper room. So there are four discourses of Jesus Christ. And this Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the first discourse. And that one is called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so the Sermon on the Mount is very important because Jesus himself is introducing his own laws. We saw in the Old Testament that Moses had, we, we had the laws of Moses. But when you come, Jesus is going to give a new set of laws, which is called the laws of Christ or the laws of Jesus. And Paul will make, uh, um, Paul and talk about um, 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 these laws okay so this is different from the laws that moses gave and then we can barely see that the laws that moses gave were very difficult right it's very very difficult but the one that jesus gave is even far more difficult and then we will see um the reason why okay the reason why the laws that jesus gave these laws that's the the, the beatitudes and the other stuff that Jesus gave is because later on he is going to equip us with the Holy Spirit to help us live that, that kind of life. For example, when you read Matthew chapter 5 from verse 38 to 48, he said that, um, he have heard that it has been said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I say unto you, resist not evil, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes on to say that if someone slaps you, what do you do? You turn the other cheek for the person to slap. This is very difficult for someone to do. For example, if someone slaps you, there are three possible things that can be done. 
The first one is that you slap the person back, right? That's what normally, almost everyone, if you go to circle and you slap someone, the person will slap you back. Are you going too far, bitches? <laughs> bitches, I, I heard you, you retaliate. I'll see you. <laughs> see the person. And then the second thing the person will do is that you slap the person and then the person does not yes, do anything. Wow, people will clap for you. You are good. Wow. But Jesus said that that was not the ultimate. The ultimate is that one, if the person slaps you, turn the other cheek and let the person slap. You see, that's a higher kind of life. Or if someone takes away the outer coats, there are three possible ways you, I mean, possible things you can do. The first one is that you take it back. The second one is that you, you let it go. The third one is that you even remove your inner cloak and give it to the person. You get it. And the last scenario Jesus gave, when you read Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48, is that if someone compels you to go one mile, so for example, those days, the soldiers, when, when they are carrying their stuff and they see you, they will give it to you to carry. You go one mile, and they will take it, and they will meet another person. They will allow the person also to carry it one mile. So there are also three things that you, you could do. You can tell them that, no, I will not carry it. Or you carry it and then you walk one mile with a person. But Jesus said that when you get to that mile, go the extra mile. That's where the English term, the extra mile, came from. From Matthew chapter 5. So you see, these are the new kind of rules that Jesus gave you. And later on, when you read the whole thing, you say that, you say that uh, Moses said that do not murder. But I tell you that even if you are angry with someone, you've murdered a person. Or the laws of Moses said that do not commit fornication and adultery. But I tell you that if you last after someone, you have already committed. So you can see that the laws that Jesus, the, the laws that Jesus is giving in these three chapters of Matthew, okay, they are more superior than that of Moses. Okay, so you read that he said he, one thing that runs through this whole book is that you said ye have heard that it has been said. Then you tell that, but I say unto you. That's, that means that he's given us a certain kind of law which supersedes that which was in the Old Testament. So that's just the brief summary. So if you get time, read, read it and then you, you understand what I'm saying. But we are going to look at the first 12 verses, which is what is called the Beatitudes. The Beatitude never appears in the Bible. The word Beatitude is not in the Bible. In the same way, the word Bible is not in the Bible. <laughs> in the same way, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Okay, but we don't say that because it's not in the Bible, we are not going to talk about it. Okay, we call it beatitude. Beatitude is a is the Latin Greek word for blessings. Okay, so we are going to see what you can practically do. This is Jesus' own words so that if you do these things, you are blessed. Okay, so we are, we are going to look at it. So let's quickly read Matthew chapter um, 5, verse 1 to 12. <coughs> when I'm done with it, then we just explain something. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. Shall we order? Yes. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil things against you falsely, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. Amen. Cool. Okay. So we are going to digest this, these four verses. The first thing I want us to understand is that there are eight of the Beatitudes. There are eight of them. And the way they are arranged is important. And then note that the first four conveys something and the last four also conveys another thing. Okay. You, you look at them. And then you also know that the terms kingdom of God and kingdom of, kingdom of heaven were used. Right. Okay. If, I mean, a normal Christian would think that the two are the same. But there's difference between kingdom of God and then the kingdom of heaven. Matthew is the only book that uses both terms, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. All the other um, New Testament books, they, they use the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So, what is Jesus saying? First of all, who, who is Jesus addressing? He's addressing his disciples. He's addressing his disciples, not the multitude. Okay. So, he's addressing his disciples. And since we are, we are also the disciples of Christ, he's also addressing us. Okay. Now, let's uh, see the first one. The first one is Blessed are the. Blessed are the. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, it begins by saying poor in spirit. What do you mean by poor in spirit? Okay, so whenever we say poor in spirit, poor in spirit, okay, let me just, let, let's take the first one. So the, the first one is poor in spirit. The second one is those that mourn. The third one is the meek. And the fourth one is those that hunger and thirst. After right. Please try and memorize it now so that <laughs> okay, we have memorized it. So it's, the, the mnemonic is P right and mnemonic. So peace, poor, then mourn, then meek, and hunger and thirst. Those are the first four. Okay. Now, when you talk about poor in spirit, poor in spirit deals with how or your attitude. Okay, your attitude towards yourself. When you look at yourself, who do you see? You see someone who is. Who is empty? Someone who who, who needs something. Do you get it? Like like how poor people, you know, poor people, they see themselves as people who need something. Okay? So the poor in spirit tells us about 
our attitude towards ourselves. The second one is those that mourn. It should tell you about your attitude towards sin. Okay? We will take them into detail, but that's, that's the, the summary. The fourth one is meekness. That tells you about your attitude towards other people. And the last one is those that hunger and thirst, which is your attitude towards God. So, so we, we are taking the first four, and then you realize that they all they are teaching us about attitudes, the attitude that we should have. Now, before I continue, I have to define these terms for us to understand. When you, when we use the term attitude, and then conduct, and then the term character and the term in integrity, people tend to use them together, but they are different. Okay. When you talk about, let, let me first take the word integrity. Okay, integrity. When you say someone is having integrity, it means that the person has a certain set of beliefs and the person is disciplined enough to do it. So, for example, if um, I, I don't miss class, you get the person will never miss class. Like the person is disciplined enough to um, what, whatever the person believes. For example, in 2000, and when did when did those someone build other stuff? When they went to? When they went to capture him. He said. Oh, the the twin towers. Yeah, yeah. The crash. Oh no, it's September 2011. 9/11, right? Yeah, 9/11. 9/11. You said September was. September 2011. No. September. It's 9/11. That's 9th September. It's 2000. 2000. Oh, is it 2001? 2001. Yes, it's a long time ago. 20, it's 2011. It's that time. It's 2001. Okay, and then they were a sect of Muslim youth. Okay. They had purpose themselves that they were going to do that task. So they were disciplined that this is what we are going to do. Our Quran is saying that if you do this, we will get to heaven and we will have virgin wives. Okay. So they went to kill themselves for a cause. So no matter how bad it is, they you can say they have integrity because they had a certain belief and they were disciplined enough to fulfill it. Okay. Now it could be good or bad. Do it. Uh-huh. But if you now take this integrity and you add wisdom to it, it becomes a good character. For example, wisdom will let you know which beliefs to hold on to and then be disciplined to them. Okay, so when you add wisdom to your integrity, it, it, it becomes a good character. Are, are we clear with that? Uh-huh. Now, character. We have character and then we also have conduct. So uh, we can call your character your attitude. Okay, that one is that one is within. So someone defines attitude as what you do when no one is around. Okay, and that attitude will cause you to do something. And what you do is what is called the conduct. So character or attitude is who you are. Conduct is what you do. So your conduct will flow out of your character or your attitude. So if inwardly you are good, you demonstrate it. 
So you being good in what is your attitude or your character. But when you begin to do good and people see, that becomes your conduct. Okay, so now the first, the reason why I'm explaining this is that the first four verses that we are talking about here deals with our attitude. So it deals with who we are in the inside. Then the last four will teach us about what then um, our conduct should be. We do it. So the first one is poor in spirit. And you said poor in spirit deals with how um, you, you, you actually see yourself, okay? When, when you ad, ad, admit how um, um, insufficient you are, that's what is called poor in spirit. So when you read a scripture, let, let's go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Second Corinthians chapter three verse five. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Yeah, our sufficiency is of God. So if you say someone is exhibiting poorness of spirits, it means that the person acknowledges that his or his sufficiency is of God. You know that with yourself you are nothing. That's what Paul said that by the grace of God, I am what I am. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. Okay. So if, if Jesus is saying that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall do it. In her, they shall do it. Poor in spirit, they shall. Yes, yes, the kingdom of heaven. So this is what God is saying. That if you should live your life always and constantly understanding that God is your source. Okay? And that's left on your own, you are poor. Like, there is nothing you have. That the reason why you have anything is because of God. You are alive because of God. You are intelligent because of God. All the things you have are because of God. Then, you are someone who is living the poorness of the Spirit. It's not false humility. It's not like, <laughs> it's, it's something that like you should be at your core. Do you get it? <laughs> okay. And then, the, let me just add one more thing to the new book. And the, there is something, something that we always say, heaven, you say heaven? Heaven helps Yes. It's a fallacy. Okay. The, the correct thing should be, he, heaven helps those who come to the end of their soul. Like, if you, if you look at the Bible, usually it's when men and women come to the end of themselves, that's when God intervenes. And that's the fullness of the Spirit. Okay, Let, let's go to the second one. The second one deals with those that mourn. And you said, when you talk about mourn, it's your attitude towards sin. So, you see, Christ has delivered us from sin, right? But we all know that, at, I mean, intermittently, we all fall short and then we sin one way or the other. But the difference between a Christian that's sin and someone who is not a Christian that's sin is your attitude after the sin. If really we don't show any sign of regrets or we don't mourn after, after any sin, okay, then you have to check and see whether you are really born again. 
Because anyone that truly has the Holy Spirit inside of you, after you commit a sin, you you actually have some form of regrets or some some form of mourning. Okay. So yeah, when you talk about blessed are those that mourn, we are not talking about going to cry at funerals or you are just mourning like you are crying. No, it deals with your attitude towards sin. Your attitude when you fall short, when you go before God and then you cry to God, God, I have I've sinned against you. That's the kind of money you're talking about. It's, it's what, what Paul called godly soul. So in the Bible, this this um, we see this when Peter actually denied Christ three times. Okay. He, um, after he denied him the, the third time, we, we saw that he, he was actually looking at mom. Okay. And because he had this kind of godly soul, this regret, Christ came to restore him back. But when you take someone like Judas Iscariot, after he saw Jesus, he also cried. But you see, the reason why he was mourning was different. Okay, from why why Peter was mourning. Okay, Peter, Peter was actually showing signs of remorse, signs of uh, regrets. Okay, uh-huh. but for Judas Iscariot, the reason why he was and weeping was because of what people would say. Say, ah, this person he was part of this guy and he has denied him. Do you get it? That was that was the main reason why Judas Carrot was weeping. And what happened? He went to crucify him, he went to hang himself. Okay, so when you talk about mourning, you are talking about your regret when you fall short. Okay. And is that what will happen to them? For they shall be comforted. Uh-huh. For it, you shall be comforted. Was Peter comforted? Yes, he was restored back to his position. Okay, so the third one is um, the meek. Those that are meek. What, what is meek? When you say meekness or meek, okay, people think meekness is the same as humility, but they are different. Okay, in English terms, they are the same, but when, when it comes to Bible, they are different. Okay. Humility, we know, is we are humble. But when it comes to meekness, the definition of meekness is actually power under control. Power under control. So if you say Jesus is meek, whenever we are singing the story, I mean, we are singing this Christmas, meek. What's the, what's the song? Then say Jesus, meek and uh-huh. What that means is that Jesus is the all-powerful God. But yet, when he came on it, his power was under control. For example, when they were crucifying him, don't you think that he could have called legions, angels to come and deliver him? But you can get to a state where you bring that power under control. For example, okay, maybe you are the CEO of a certain company and you go somewhere and they are not treating you. I know, you who, know who I am. National <laughs> <laughs> Ante. Do you know who I am? Do, do you get it? <laughs> the way the way Beatrice said it spontaneously. <laughs> <laughs> It's not different. It's not different. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You see, but the power and authority you have, okay, you should be able to keep it under control. That's meekness. That's meekness. Okay. It's it's quite synonymous to long suffering. When you talk about long suffering, it means you are suffering long. Like they are hitting you (laughs) permanently. What come on to? Do you get it? That's meekness. 
power under control. Can you imagine God himself taking the form of flesh and people are just spitting on him doing it and he didn't retaliate? That is meekness. The greatest, as I always say, the greatest miracle Jesus did was not raising the dead. Was that for 33 years he was God, but we didn't know. 33 years he was God. Encapsulated in a flesh, but yet we didn't know. Can you imagine if, for example, we take you to a certain village? Mm-hmm. Ah, you go and show up with your cars and then speak English and your tablets and you are just yeah, you wear your white coat and your stethoscope. You, you want to be recognized. Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> but the greatest miracle that Jesus did was that for three years he was God and he kept himself under control. For me, that's the greatest miracle that he did, and that's meekness. And the Bible is telling us we should be meek. No matter where you get to. I remember one day, I went to Washington School. Me, I'm like the headmaster of Actual I went there, and then you know the new batch from once, they, they don't even know anything, you know. And I was asking them, I said, hey, do you know me? Do you know do you know when they sent my priest? I can go to the office right now without even Like, <laughs> you know, but meekness is, you know, power under control. With all the power, with all your money you have, you everything is is just under control. That's meekness. And the Bible says, "Blessed are the meek." Blessed are the meek. So your relationship with others or your attitude towards others should be that of meekness. Okay, yeah. You see, the, the rich people, those that are really rich, are not those that go out to say that they are rich. But those that don't have anything, no more no, no, kasa. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So if, if, if you are rich, if you have, for example, let, let, me, let me tell you something. Those, I'm on my bone. Do you get it? Right. Yeah, those that make noise. For example, this brother stuff. Don't, like, don't even start. Right. <laughs> this is not a good example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about gay. It's see, too pitiful. Those that actually, those, those that actually laugh at people, then. those that actually laugh at people are those that don't know anything. No. Like those that actually. cut the videos and then, you know, they'll go online, they'll cut the videos and then they'll just put something. They don't know anything. Do you get if me, If me, I'm laughing, at least I have some legal girls, <laughs> I, I am mass and scientific. <laughs> But those that don't know anything, they, they are those that actually laugh a lot. They are the ones that do get it. So we have to be meek. Amen. Amen. Okay. And the fourth one, they said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall do what? Inherit the earth. The earth. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the benefits. Okay. Maybe another time, but I'm just only talking about the, the, the attitude that we should be. The fourth one is actually that's blessed are they that do what? That are hungry and thirsty. For they shall be filled, right? And I said that one deals with our attitude towards God. So our attitude towards God should be that of someone who is hungry and thirsty for God. And it's only when you are thirsty. You have that zeal, you have that thirst, you have that hunger that you'll be filled. What are you hungry for? Okay. A lot of people have 
bizarre appetite for several different kind of things. But God is telling us that we should have an appetite for Him. Do you know what appetite is? Some people have ap- appetite for smoking, for alcohol, like they can't stop. Even if they stop, they have withdrawal symptoms. And that's the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. Like, you, are, you want more of God that even if one day you, you, you don't encounter Him, like, you, you have some form of reaction. If it's can you imagine that if you don't pray one day, you have anaphylactic shock? Or isn't it, isn't it a good prayer? Like you are dead. That, that, <laughs> that God, if, if I don't seek you anaphylactic day, shock, right? Isn't that a bit too far? Right. Of all the allergic reactions available, thank God for God. Or we should pray that prayer, God. If I don't. If I don't seek you even one day, let me get Steven Johnson's. <laughs> <laughs> Why did God now create Steven Johnson's? That, that should be cool. That, that's the kind of desperation we are talking about. It's not always desperate for God. Ah, oh, it's punishment. <laughs> you see, but what are you hungry for? Let's, let's read the scripture. I'm not sure we can finish. Let me just. Let's just do the, the first four words. Okay. Let's see. First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. First Corinthians two, verse fourteen. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Okay, good. So as a Christian. Aside the desire for God, you should also desire for spiritual things. Okay, what are your desires? You sit down, like, what are your desires? Jesus is saying that, or I mean, what we read, Paul is saying that those that don't desire spiritual things, man, they are just natural. Do you know why? Because to them, spiritual things are meaningless. That's why it's that. For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because to them, they are foolishness. Neither can they know them because they are spiritually dead. The natural man. Okay, but he said that. But if you're a spiritual man, you receive all things from God. Okay, so one thing that we should desire for is spiritual things. Let's desire for the spirit of prayer. Let's desire for the word of the word of God. The word of God. Let me tell you, if God really gives you the desire for the word of God, hey. I'm telling you, you read your Bible like two hours every day. Like, you can't stop. It just gets interesting, 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 and you can't stop. That's, that's, that's one of the sweetest gifts that God can give you for His way. You see, one, one, one of God says something. He says, your actual desire eh, is shown when you don't have anything to do. For example, if you don't have anything to do, the things you do during those period. Mm. Those periods when you don't have anything to do, like you are not stressed. For example, let's say vacation. Or even in school class, you have maybe there is one week break or something and you are in your room. You don't have anything to do. There is no stress of lectures or tutorials or things. What you do during those periods are the true reflection of your appetites. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the man of God defines appetite. 
That's it. That's the true reflection. So you can think that once we you read the Bible, do this. Let, let us give you a free period and let's see what you do with it. That, that, that's a true reflection of your appetite. For me, I'm always looking for free period to read my Bible. So, vacation I just, ah, I know the plans I have. I'll not go home. I'll, I'll stay in Kodebu for two weeks, every vacation. So that I can finish because during this exam time, I've not gotten time to actually do it to study. So, vacation, two weeks, stay here. Learn everything, memorize the structures I need for the following semester. <laughs> then when I'm done, I'll go home and whatever period that I get, then I'll come back. I'm always looking for free period. If, if I get any free period, yes, I have messages. My messages are too many that, like, I want time to finish. Like, last vacation, for instance. The Christmas break. Like, I don't know, one week or something. I finished the whole book of Isaiah. 66 books. With, with the commentary. No, I was just reading the commentary. I finished this. I'm looking for time. So the whole day, I wake up in my room, read, uh, then my sisters will bring in my food. I will, they will come for the plates. You know, yeah. Me and my sisters see me. They see me as a star. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like, they are always fighting to come and say, this one, no, I want to send prize food. I want to send prize food. Yes, I don't like that. What is my witness? How can I lie in the presence of God? Do you know why? Because when I'm coming to Accra, you know, I'll give them money. So yeah. <laughs> they don't want to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but this, this, like, this, well, this when, when I was coming, this was, I, I was very sad because the money I had was 50 cents. Yes, I had 50 cents, 50 cents, and, and I can't give them 50 cents. Yes. Why? Oh, no. You know, I thought yeah. that was a good explanation for the 50 cents. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> They are little, they are little, they are little. If I give them the money, it's my mother that will take them. <laughs> so I was crying. I said, Oh God, I can't give you the money. Hey, when I was going, like I thought, there so was no shop anywhere you could change the money. No, it's, usually I live, I live at dawn. Oh, okay. I was, they, they, they brought my things to the roadside and everything. Else. Oh, hey, I felt bad the whole time. I was even crying. When you went back, did you give the back? No, I'm here to go. <laughs> I've been in Kumasi since, I mean, Accra since the beginning of the year. I've not gone back. Okay. So they were, they are always trying to let me do this. So I'll just be there in the morning, afternoon, evening. I don't go anywhere. Kumasi, when I go there, I don't go anywhere. All my friends, I don't even have enough friends over there. Most of my friends now in Accra. That's why I usually love staying. That's the true reflection of your appetites. Okay, so the next time you have any free time, then series. When you say, so you know, some people are praying that God, God, give me vacation. The reason why you want to go home for what is the reason why you want to have vacation? I can see your boyfriend. Huh? Your boyfriend. I'm giving an example. Eh, <laughs> but in the abundance <laughs> of your heart. <laughs> we all have different different reasons for vacation. But you see, the reason why you want to go for vacation is also another true reflection of your desires. Ladies and gentlemen, this this part one of the of the of the beatitude. So if you look at the first four. The first four out of the eight. This four is telling us about what we should, our, our attitude, our character. The next four will, will, will deal with um, our conduct, what we should actually do. 
Okay. So he's telling us that the first one is blessed are the poor in spirits. The second one is blessed are the woman. The third one is hunger and meek. The meek. And the last one is an peace. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. This shall be true. Ladies and gentlemen, in summary, we've done the first part of the beatitude. You see, it's, it's called beatitude. That means be those attitude, not do attitude. It, it, it's not the, the most important thing is, is the attitude that is more, more important. The character. It's not the conduct. After the conduct, you can deceive all of us. But who you are to your point. That's why did I define this one? Attitude. Attitude is what you do when no one is when one is watching. That's your actual attitude. So these are the first four. This is what Jesus expects of us. He said, blessed. If you do all these things, you are blessed. You don't even need people to pronounce blessings. Poor in spirits. That is knowing that God is your sufficiency. Come to the end of yourself. Yes, coming to the end of yourself. The end of man is the beginning of God. And the second thing we talk about are mourning. That's your 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 attitude towards sin. And the third one is Meekness. Meekness, that's your attitude towards other people. That's power under control. Power under control. We know you are beautiful, but keep calm. We know you are rich, <laughs> keep calm. We know that you are intelligent, keep calm. We know that you went to a good SHS, keep, keep calm. calm. Are you seeing them? <laughs> <laughs> what keep that supposed to be? Keep calm. <laughs> okay. so we'll be calm. And the last one is what? Blessed are those attitude towards God and spiritual things. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for spiritual things? Okay. Let me see if I can if I've left anything out. Okay. So that's it. That's it. Okay. So let's close our eyes here. Mama, how are you pray with us? Thank you. I will not ask you what you're doing. <laughs> 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 I 